through every test, through every difficult situation, through every victory, God, you've been with us today. You've walked with us today, and hopefully we've walked with you today and not on our, in our own will, Lord Jesus. we got so much right now that we could thank you for, Lord Jesus. We could thank you for the fact that we have had breath in our bodies all day and that our heart has beaten all day, Lord, and we've had a clear mind and a clear conscience today, Lord. we got so much to be thankful for today. Father, we're so thankful for your blood. We're so thankful for your name. We're so thankful for the cross. We're so thankful for your anointing, O God. We're so thankful to you, God, for everything. We're so thankful, Lord, that you allow trials and tests in our life, O God, to help to purify us and prepare us, O God, for your glory and for your kingdom in heaven, O God. We're so thankful, O God, for everything that's in our life, God. In the name of Jesus and everything. Give thanks, oh God. We give thanks to you in everything. Hallelujah. You're so worthy. You're so worthy. You're worthy to be exalted if you did nothing today. If you didn't do anything in our life except to let us live, oh God. You're worthy to be exalted. You're worthy to be magnified. You are worthy to be glorified and honored and praised with our lips, oh God, with our hearts, oh God, with our mind, our spirit, our whole entire being, oh God. Oh God, we can't thank you enough. We cannot thank you enough, Lord Jesus, for your mighty hand and your outstretched arm in our life today. In everything, oh God, we're going to give thanks. In every trial, we're going to give thanks. In every test, we're going to give thanks. In every victory, we're going to give thanks. To your name, O oh God, for you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. That's the highest praise we can give you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah to your name. Hallelujah to your name. Hallelujah to your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That word hallelujah is the same in every language. That's how they say hallelujah in Japanese. Hallelujah. That's how they say it in German. Hallelujah. That's how they say it in Russian. Hallelujah. Why is that? God made it that way. That's the highest praise you can give him. It's not just some word we use in songs we sing. It's the highest praise that you can give him. And we owe him the very highest praise. Because where would any of us be right now if it wasn't for the Lord? I could go, I could be in so many different places. I, so many different things in my life could be so different than they are right now. Uh, I don't know that I'd have two sons that are living for God and they're, my grandkids living for God. I don't know. But that I made a decision one day. Amen. Decisions that we made that we didn't know we were making. When we made one decision one day to turn from all of this world and say, I'm going to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Anybody hungry tonight? Anybody? Anybody? Y'all already ate already? Anybody hungry tonight? Is anybody hungry tonight? I don't hear 
much response. Is anybody hungry tonight? Amen. I hope you're hungry. We're going to pray one more time. And I want us to pray that God will, uh, will help us to just lay aside all the cares and all the concerns and all the things that we've been thinking about that's been on our mind, our boss, our job, whatever it is, that he'll allow us to lay those, those cares and concerns. We might have bills due. We might have things that, that are on our mind. But we need to ask God right now to help us to just lay that, literally lay that stuff down and give us ears to hear. Because I'm going to tell you something. The Holy Ghost wants to minister to somebody in this place tonight. But we got to be ready to receive it. we got to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And so we're going to pray one more time. You pray for yourself. You pray for somebody else. But we're going to pray that God will give us ears to hear tonight. Okay? Father, we love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. You've you've been in control of everything all day today anyway, Lord Jesus. You've had it all in your hand. Father, we need you to help us to lay down our care, lay down to cast our care upon you right now, to cast it upon you and take our hands off of it right now, Lord Jesus. And we ask you right now to set this place in in a spirit of peace, oh God, that the people of God would have ears to hear. Lord, give us ears in the spirit to hear what you're saying. Lord, give us eyes to see. Lord Jesus, you said it, oh God, to the churches in the book of Revelation. Revelations, oh God, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear, Lord Jesus. I want to hear what you're saying, Lord. I want to hear what you're saying to me. Father, you might have a word for me tonight, and I don't want to be distracted by other things and other thoughts and, and other things going on in my life. I don't want any distractions, God. I want to be focused and centered on what you have for me tonight. Everybody say, what you have for me tonight. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hope I didn't get your hopes up. (laughs) Hallelujah, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10, those that have Bibles or Bible apps, I'll give you a minute to get there. Because, you know, it's important. Sister Vicki, we, we stress about the over the fact that we need to read that, you know, that bread schedule. And, and um, I'll confess, I don't necessarily read that bread schedule, but my Bible app has like 14 different yearly schedules that you can pick from. And some of them go different directions. Some of them go Old Testament and then New Testament. Some of them just skip all around. But I kind of switch it around every year. One year I read the Amplified Bible the whole year just to do it, just because just I wanted to see if God would let me have a different perspective. And so it's important that we read this. It was important that day when we weren't sure we were going to go this way that somebody had us sitting in a Bible study and said, let's read this scripture together. And they, they didn't make you, but they asked you to read it out loud. And there was something about that. You might not have understood it then. But there was something about reading that scripture out loud. It planted something in you. It planted something in me. And it just stuck. And somebody prayed. 
And the Lord added to that. And the Lord and the Lord plowed and somebody prayed and the Lord plowed and somebody prayed and, and the Lord watered and God gave the increase. So it's important that we sometimes that we hear ourselves, even in our mind, reading what this word says. Because like I said, God's going to talk to somebody in this place tonight. And I don't know about you. I want that to be me. Because I don't have a script. I got a bunch of scriptures here. That's it. So whatever he says tonight is for me too. Okay? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. Having therefore brethren. Everybody say brethren. Everybody say that's me. That's not just brothers. That's not a male term. That's everybody. No. (laughs) Show me scripture. (laughs) Boldness. Having therefore boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. We're living in a new and living way, aren't we? Which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. He did that for us. He did that for us. And having high priest over the house of God. He's our high priest. He's there on our behalf. Let us draw near with a true heart. So there can be a false heart, if there's a true heart. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Because we don't know our own hearts. Isn't that what the book says? We need our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. I do. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Day after day after day. I got to get up every day and decide this is how I'm going to live today. I'm not going back to that. I don't care what temptations come my way. I've already made up my mind. For he is faithful that promise. I don't know why that's a parenthetical statement, but it's there. And let us consider one another. There's that word in the Psalms that goes selah. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. We're supposed to provoke one another to love and good works. Not just on Sunday. Not just on Wednesday. Not just when we feel like it. He's writing to the church, to the Hebrews. And let us consider one another to provoke one another to love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. Everybody say that word. That wasn't everybody. As the manner of some is. But exhorting one another or comforting one another or encouraging or admonishing one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? What's the day? That's the day of the Lord. Do we see that day coming? Oh, my goodness. If you just don't even have to hardly look at the newspaper or hear the news, it's on the horizon, man. You can just see it. You can feel it in the air. It's coming. It's It's like that tsunami wave. It's coming. And so much the more as we see that day approaching. We're going to talk about one word tonight together together everybody say together everybody say together 
together, together. I'm not going to start singing. But you, just just the start of that little ditty, it stirs up something in your mind if you know that song. We, we've got to be together. We've got to do this thing. It says right there, assembling of ourselves together. If we're not together, it's like the old saying, if, if, you're, if you're walking and nobody's following you, you're not leading. You're just out for a walk. <laughs> so we, just, we don't just assemble in a building. I know that we're all assembled here today. This is not really what this scripture is talking about. Or we don't go to some location to assemble. I know that we do, but that's not really what, to me, what this scripture is talking about. The first church assembled. Where were they assembled on the day of Pentecost? Out in the open. No, the first church was out in the, just standing outside in public view, in front of God and everybody. All those Jews were there for the day of Pentecost. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of people there. With their families. A multitude. We don't even know how many. And they were assembled. And yes, there were some people assembled in an upper room. Just think about that. He spoke to above 500 people before he was taken up, but only 120, or about 120, the Bible says. Not doesn't give you an exact number. Just about 120 showed up in the upper room. As we're going to read, they also assembled in homes. And they did assemble in public places. They did. So let's just go read in the book of Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 41, the account of the first church and what they did after they received the Holy Ghost and after they were baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. Let's just read about what they did. Verse 41 says, And they that gladly received his word were baptized. Some people don't gladly receive his word. Some people just hear that and go, That's ah, just fairy tales. They actually believe that. The Bible's just a book of fairy tales, just a book of stories that some men wrote. Because men wrote it. They don't understand the whole concept of God through the anointing of, of His Spirit had these men write the history down. Muhammad wrote it, his book. Nobody questions that, do they? Hello. And the same day were added to them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, which is gladly and willingly participating with and supporting one another. It's not just sitting downstairs eating a meal. That's not, our concept and definition of fellowship is not what the concept and definition of it is in the Bible. That is fellowship. Don't get me wrong. But it's more than just sitting down in front of a table and eating a meal with some folks. And breaking bread and in prayers. What kind of prayers? All kinds of prayers. The Bible says pray without ceasing. The Bible says praying in the Holy Ghost. All kinds of different kinds of prayers. How about all seasons of prayer? You ever gone through a season of prayer or fasting in your life? Yeah. 
God sends us through seasons. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. So, anybody know anybody that's Jewish? I know a lot of Jewish people. Those about 3,000 that were added on the day of Pentecost, did they all exactly believe exactly the same thing? No. There's a lot of Jewish people that don't even celebrate being Jewish. There's one guy that's got a, a video news blog thing that, that wears a yarmulke on his head every time he's on camera. He's devout Jewish. But now I'm, I'm convinced in my own mind that not every one of those 3,000 or about 3,000 people were devout Jews. Because not all Jews were devout then, and in, it's probably that way now. You know, there's Hasidic Jews. There's all kinds of different variations of Jewish people. And, and I guarantee you that out of those 3,000 that were added and, and the whole multitude that was there, a lot of them were there just because this is what Jews do on the day of Pentecost. They were just there to punch their ticket so that they could say, I was here on the day of Pentecost with all my Jewish brothers and sisters. Let's go home, honey, and take the kids. And they never practiced anything Jewish the rest of the year till the next year Pentecost came. Do we have that today? <laughs> so Jews today and Jews then are a whole lot the same. Now, the first believers were Jewish. And once the Gentiles started being reached, kind of the same thing. So those Jews all had different mindsets and different concepts of things and things that how they believed it was so and how this one believed it was so. They all did, all 3,000, let's just use that number. They didn't all believe exactly the same thing, did they? Is that possible? Nah. If I just mentioned the subject in here, there would be as many opinions, any subject, I could just pick anything. Apple pie, whatever. I could pick anything. There would be so many different opinions about that subject in here. To prove my point. So that first church didn't, they, they there was all, 3,000 were at it. But that doesn't mean that everything just went peachy keen and wonderful. They were still people. They were still flesh. They still had attitude problems. They still had family problems. They still had all kinds of things going on in their life. Something changed in their life. They were different, but you know, in many ways they were still the same, just with a new purpose and a new, a new identity. And it says, and all that believed were together. They were together. With all their differences, they were together. All that believed were together and had all things common. So I just, when I read that, I think some people laid aside their differences. When they realized the impact of what just happened to them, they began to lay aside some of their differences and said, we have just entered into something new. We're going to have to keep this together. If, we're gonna, if this is going to go forward, we've got to do it together. We've got to do it together. They had all things common and sold their possessions and goods 
any takers? Nope, nobody kept their hand up. Uh, I'll, I'll just take my 10%. Thank you very much. I'll give my 10%, but I'm not selling everything. Right? This is the first church, isn't it? Am I, am I telling the truth? I'm not out of the book. If I'm out of the book, you come up here. I don't have a coattail tonight. I left my, I left my, my wife left her phone and iPad, and I left my jacket at home. <laughs> Signs of something. <laughs> Starts with the word old. <laughs> oh, we were just in a hurry. I'm not old yet. And they parted them to all men, as every man had need. They didn't go around with an attitude of it's mine, 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 mine. Because what they understood in the Holy Ghost was that none of it was theirs anymore. We're a part of something bigger than ourselves. I mean, I can't imagine being the first ones to get the Holy Ghost. I just can't. I mean, they didn't know what to do. They were all new converts. Who's in charge <laughs> besides the disciples? And they all didn't just stay there. So so, somebody had to start having a walk with God like that immediately. Start listening to the Holy Ghost immediately. They didn't have a Bible. They had nothing to refer to. It was all word of mouth. And sold their possessions and good and parted them to all men as every man had need. Can you imagine what would happen if we did that? If we actually did that? Did what the Word of God said? And they, who were they? The new converts, the new church. Continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They did it together. Praising God and having favor with all the people. Something about what they were doing and how they were doing it created an atmosphere, an environment that all the people just couldn't help but just want to just feel like they wanted to be a part even though they didn't, maybe didn't have the Holy Ghost. There was just something about that. You ever notice when somebody's around you and they can't really put their finger down on what it is about you that's so different, but they know something's different. And they might even say, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something different about you that just sticks out. And that's when you're going, yeah, I know. It's called the Holy Ghost. Would you like to know more? Perfect segue right there. Because they feel that, whether they realize what they're feeling or not, they feel that when we're around them. It's like a bug to a light. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So they didn't have to do anything except what they did in those scriptures. And God took care of adding to the church. They didn't have to have seminars on church growth. They didn't have to do any of that. They just did what the... And it said in there that they... The apostles' doctrine. What was the apostles' doctrine? Where did the apostles get their doctrine? Yeah, Jesus. Didn't he command them? Whatsoever I've commanded you, you go and tell. Make disciples of them. That was what the apostles' doctrine. They didn't just think up something new. 
The apostles' doctrine was what they were doing, what Jesus told them to do. Because by the time they got to that point, it dawned on all them guys. All that stuff that he was saying, it was like, I think there was like this instantaneous revelation that just hit those 12 guys. And they were like, whoa, this is what he was talking about. This is that. This is that. Oh, my goodness, guys. High-fiving each other, you know, and like, oh, wow, did you see it? I saw it. Don't you get excited when God shows you something? I mean, you just running through the trailer, high-fiving your wife or something. <laughs> High-five your dog. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Acts 4, 34 through 37 says, Neither was there any among them that lacked. Nobody in the church lacked. Imagine that. For as many as were possessors of lands, Brother Demuth, quit reading this stuff. No, I'm not doing it. For as many of them are, that were possessors of lands and houses sold them and brought the prices of the things they were sold, and they laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. It seems to me like they just didn't care where the money went that they got for selling all their house and all their goods. How did they live? Don't you think God took care of that? It didn't leave them destitute. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. They didn't send out an edict. They didn't send out a letter from the district superintendent saying, sell your land. They didn't have to. Something in them, what was it? The Holy Ghost told them to do it. Well, how did they know that was the Holy Ghost? I don't know. But they knew. How do you know when God's speaking to you? How do you know? You just know. When I was walking through that parking garage in Louisville and, and I was praying about coming here, as soon as, as soon as he said, you will go to Wisconsin and you'll serve me there, almost immediately the enemy came right behind that, I mean like within a split second. That ain't God. Just like that. And what do you think the words that I said after that were? Well, I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> I said, sorry, too late. I done heard it. <laughs> You're too late. I knew what I heard. But hearing it and following it's two different things. And so almost immediately I started setting up appointments to go out to lunch with all my family members and started telling them one at a time this is what we're doing and some of them said why and i just said i don't know <laughs> it's what god's telling me to do he, again because i had just came back from japan it's like he's telling you to go somewhere again yep and my my mother god bless her she's like well you just go where god's telling you to go hallelujah she didn't like it she didn't want me to leave. 
probably still wants me back there, but she understands that I'm trying to follow the will of God in her own way. She understands that. John 13, 34 through 35 says, And a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. That's basically the word agape. we got to love one another with a godly love. Okay? That's a love that, that we can't explain in the dictionary. Because who can explain the love of God in here? I mean, it's so far and widespread, it's, just, it's hard to put it, put it down into one definition. Just look at the life of Jesus. That you love one another as I have loved you. Has he loved you today? Did Jesus love you today? How do you know? It's a different answer for everybody in the room. But you know that he loves you. You just know. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. Oh, if you have love one for another. Is the world watching us? Do they know out there in the world, do they know what an apostolic, how they're supposed to act? I'll bet you they do. And they're watching they are watching us. They're listening to us. They're watching our move. They're watching how we respond to trials and tests. They're watching everything to see if we're real or not. And if we can't love one another, can I say this in this building? If we can't love one another, truly love one another in this building, you know, those people, those Jews, you know, they were just people like me and you and all of us in this room. They all had differences. They all had different opinions about things. And they had to figure out how to work through their differences, didn't they? For the purpose of unity. So they could show a united front, right? If people walk in here and can't, and we can't work through our differences among ourselves, they're going to see that. Hello? Children in a classroom know. They know if a teacher is sincerely wanting to be there or if they're just there punching a clock. They know. They might not come right out and say it, but they know the difference between that teacher and the one that is just there to punch a clock. They know. And people know. They just know. And you can't fake it till you make it. We got to sincerely love one another. In spite of our differences. Because we're going to have them. (laughs) Nothing wrong with having differences. We just have to learn as adults, as people of God, to manage that. Brother so-and-so feels that way. And that's, you know, I'm not going to condemn him for that. As long as he's in the book, that's his right to feel that way. My convictions are not the ones that he's putting on you. The one that God, the convictions that God gives me is not the same ones he's going to give you. So we can't even, anyway, we're not islands unto ourselves. Anybody in here know what a silo is? What's a silo? Mm -hmm. But there's other kind of silos. 
Yeah. But yet there's another kind of silo. We can live in a silo mentality. Think about that. You people that have been around business, acumen and all that, things happen in business world in silos. This group each other and not a whole lot gets done we can't live like that we can't live in a silo mentality i'm just you know i'm just going to worry about me wow thank goodness jesus didn't say that (laughs) y'all find your own way to get saved i'm out of here and don't think he didn't try either he did. Didn't he go pray that prayer? If there's any way I can get out of this, Father, you let me know right now. Or words to that effect. And there was the answer came back, crickets. Because he already knew the answer to his question before he asked it. And so he said, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. <laughs> That's one of those easy-to-quote, hard-to-live things. (laughs) Try it and mean it when you say it to him. We we really don't want to give God control over everything, really. (laughs) Because he's going to make decisions about us and stuff and everything else that we're not going to like. He's going to tell you to get rid of some stuff that you don't want to get rid of. So... You better be prepared if you're going to seriously pray a prayer like that for whatever he's going to tell you. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to have you go through this. And I'm not going to let you pray about it. You have to go through it without praying about it. God wouldn't do that. Oh, really? You better go read the book of Job. You better go read about Joseph. You better go read about David, who ran for 20 years. For his life, but he was anointed king. There can be no cliques. There can be no factions. There can be no schisms in the body. And that kind of stuff is happening in our world right now. They're dividing us by race. They're dividing us by gender. They're dividing us by socioeconomic status, they're dividing us in every way, shape, manner, and form. Getting us to fight among one another. Because it's easier to take over a country when everybody's divided and fighting among one another. It's the same way in the church. And we might not be physically fighting, throwing fists at each other, but we can be fighting... We can have internal struggles that we're not facing up to and dealing with, and the devil will use that to keep us just this size right here. Because who wants to bring a child into a a household that's not working right? Nobody. It's not going to be good for the child. James 3, 14 through 17, But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts... 
So if James is saying that to the church, that means that some people must have had bitter envying and strife in their hearts, wouldn't you think? Otherwise, why is he writing that letter? Because you know those same Jews and the, and the Gentiles that were added later, they still are flesh. They still are people. They still have struggles with each other. And, and that's why those letters were written, to deal with all the struggles because of all the flesh, even though they had the Holy Ghost, all the struggles among us as humans. We're not always going to agree. Somebody's going to say, well, I don't think we need to do all that. And they're going to go run off and do what they want to do. And we're going to try to encourage them not to do that. And we're going to, and we're going to have to agree to disagree. And, and all those kind of things are going to happen. Because there could be bitter envying and strife, according to James. But if there be... But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth from above, not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. It's carnal. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Talk about being a fruit inspector. If you see confusion in every evil work, somewhere nearby there's some strife and envying. What's strife about? One of the definitions of strife is politicking for public office. When I read that, I went, no way. Politicking for public office. I want my way. You need to vote for me. I'm the one you need to talk to, not him. Do you think the devil's going to try that? Oh, yeah. Who does he think he is? Sorry, but I'm, I'm going to tell you who he is. He's the one that God anointed to be the shepherd over this flock. You might not like some things that he says, but you need to submit to the man that God chose. Whether you like it or not. If you want to be saved. I said that with a smile. I want to be saved. I want to be submitted to my headship. He's my covering. He's your covering. We need to understand that. Doesn't mean he's not going to make mistakes, but he's still our covering. When we think he's making a mistake, don't don't ping on that. Pray for that. Pray for this man. I'm okay. Okay. Take all the prayer you can get, right? But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. Oh, yeah, easy to be entreated. Like I'm so I'm sorry. Yeah, I was totally out of line. Father, forgive me. Sister, forgive me. Brother, forgive me. I'm I don't know why I was acting like that. Just can we pray about it? Can we pray together. That's that's what that's talking about. Gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy that word hypocrisy has a meaning that's related to being an actor in Hollywood because what do they do they just pretend to be somebody else Arnold Schwarzenegger is not the Terminator he's just Arnold Schwarzenegger but when he's doing that movie he's pretending like a certain guy that's pretending to be Rambo (laughs) 
<laughs> right? He's not Rambo. He's just playing a part. So that's what hypocrisy is. We're playing a part. We have pretenses. We have, we're pretending to be one thing when we're something else. 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. We got to be careful, church. This goes back to what I said before about there's a, there's a, a spirit in this world that is dividing people, dividing families, dividing nations, dividing us by state, dividing us by, like I said, skin color and everything else. And that same kind of spirit will come in here. And it's not wise. We don't need to be comparing ourselves among ourselves. If God's blessing somebody financially and he's not blessing you financially, don't get an attitude toward the person that's being blessed just because you aren't. (laughs) When I moved here, I, I couldn't get a job the first four months I was here. And when I finally did get a job, it was 10 bucks an hour. That's, that's not what I was making when I left school. <laughs> and I made sure and told God that, too. <laughs> and he said, I know. I got this. And he did. I never lost weight during that time. And several of those months I was by myself. And I still didn't lose weight. <laughs> I am now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Weight Watchers. <laughs> But we gotta be careful. Can you can a person that's poor have a love of money? Maybe more than somebody that isn't. You can covet something you don't have. And trust me when I tell you you covet something you don't have and then when you have it, then it's like it doesn't mean anything. Now that you have it, it sits in a corner. Am I telling the truth? I was walking through work today, and that scripture came to my mind. It said, <coughs> that says about um, be happy with your wages. Be content with your wages, right? And it dawned on me when I, when I heard that scripture in my mind, it was like the Lord said, that means you got to be happy with the job you have, too. And the boss you have, too. And be happy with your wages because he might be giving you more later, but better be happy with what he's giving you right now. I could have got a real attitude with God over 10 bucks an hour, and I knew I was worth more than that with my skills and abilities, but that's where he was putting, that's what he was putting me through. That was a test. And I'm learning that everything's a test. Everything in this life we walk as apostolics is a test. He's allowing us to be tested. If he allowed Job to be tested, if he allowed J- if he allowed Joseph to be tested, if he allowed David to be tested, he's going to allow us to be tested. To see what, what we're made of in the Holy Ghost. To see if we're going to trust 
his love for us. And sometimes the test is going to be among all of us to see how we're going to handle ourselves in, in the midst of a trial and a test in the church. Are we going to love each other? Philippians 2, 1 through 4. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy. Paul had some words, man. He was serious. He was passionate. Don't you believe that about Paul? He was passionate. Fulfill ye my joy, church. Writing this letter from prison, that's the only time he wrote, was when he was in prison. That ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Selah. Think about that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. That's not just words, folks. That's God is trying to tell us something. Paul is trying to tell the church something important. Like that instructor in the military that would go, every time I do that, when I'm teaching, need to write that down because that's an important point. You might see that somewhere else, like on a test. <laughs> he would be teaching and just stomp his boot three or four times. And some of them I looked around weren't writing. <laughs> You'll figure it out <laughs> when you flunk the test. Pay attention. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. There's that word strife again. It means the same thing. It's all about me. All about self. It's all about me. That's where strife comes from. I want my way, and I don't want you to have your way. We've got to be careful not let that spirit get in us and get in the church. Exhorting one another. Right? That's what the Bible says. Sometimes exhorting means, hey, brother, that ain't very Christ-like. And I should be able to tell you that and you not get offended at me. Right? Because I'm doing that for your good, for love, out of love. I, I don't want you to go straying off somewhere. I want you to stay right here with us. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Humble yourself, therefore, before the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. It's he that will lift you up. You just be humble. You just be contrite. You just be, like it says right here, with lowliness of mind, esteeming each other better than themselves. Preferring one another, the Bible says. Preferring your brother. No, that's all right. You go first. Nope, last piece of pie. Go ahead. You take it. I don't need it. But that's, that's what I'm talking about, preferring your brother. Then, then two brothers get in an argument. No, 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 I prefer you. No, I prefer you. No, I prefer you. And then the other guy walks up and takes the pie and leaves you guys standing there preferring one another. <laughs> right? <laughs> Y'all keep preferring one another. <laughs> I'm going to go enjoy your piece of pie. <laughs> Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Don't be so selfish. Think about other people. <laughs> doesn't 
doesn't the book say something about sparrows? And he keeps his eye on the sparrows. If he watches the sparrows, you know he's watching over you. We don't have to pray and ask God for stuff. He told us not to. Don't think about what you're going to eat or drink or wear. I take care of the sparrows and I take care of all the animals. If I take care of them, I'm going to take care of you. Don't waste your prayers on stuff like that that he's going to do for you anyway. Pray kingdom prayers. Pray some stuff that's going to make a difference in the world. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto the perfect man or the, or the mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, until we come. We're not there yet. We're all at varying different degrees, but we're not there yet. But we're striving to get there. we got to help each other get there. Come on. Like the, the example I gave you when we did a run in the military, they would put the slowest person at the very front left post. Why? Because that's where the lead position is in a formation. And that person was the slowest runner. Guess what? We all ran at that person's pace. Why did they do that? Why did they do that? So nobody would fall out to help that person not fall out of the formation. Let them be the lead. Even though we all got to almost do an airborne shuffle, we were all running together as a unit. And that person didn't feel the pressure to fall out because all the fast runners were in the front. I hated that when people fell out and they come and tap me and say, go get them. <laughs> fall out and run back there and get them and bring them. Come on, let's go. Now you look like a backslider. <laughs> we didn't call them that, but. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Does that happen in the church? Are there deceivers? The Bible says there's going to be deceivers among us. You better know what this book says. We better be keeping our eye out for each other. We better. Ever heard of a wolf in sheep's clothing? Better be careful. I got to keep an eye out on my brother and my sister. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that, by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working of, in the measure of every part. Our words there. We're one body. We're compacted together. Those three, about 3,000 people, they were the beginning of the church. And for them, in order for them to go forward, they had to stay together. They had to, they had to lay their differences aside and move the church forward. They must have been doing something right because the, the last verse there says, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Even in all the mistakes they were making, they must have been doing something right because God was adding to the church. It's in the book. 
Romans 12, 3 through 18. For I say unto thee, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, every person that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, which is sound judgment, moderation, and self-discipline, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. We all have the same measure of faith. What we do with it is up to us. Faith's like a muscle. It's got to be exercised. It took faith for me to believe that God spoke to me in that parking garage and that I needed to come up here. As much as my flesh didn't want to, as much as my family didn't want me to, I came. Because I wanted to, at the end of the day, I wanted to obey the will of God. I didn't want to be a Jonah. I didn't want to be in the wrong place. And maybe even risk my own salvation by not going where he sent me. Maybe he was sending me away from there for a reason. That I didn't know and I still don't know and I won't probably ever know. But he saw something that was going to happen and he he delivered me out of that by sending me up here. To this foreign land. <laughs> you, you were talking about this. <laughs> for we... For we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. We're all important. We're all not a bunch of toes. We're all important. We're all not. We're not all thumbs up here. Okay. Having gifts differing according to the grace or the empowerment that God has given to us, whether prophecy let let us prophesy according to the portion of faith or ministry, whatever God's using you in, let us wait on the ministering or teaching on teaching or. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. God gives somebody, sometimes people, gifts to be ex- ones that go around exhorting and, and trying to help everybody stay on the right track. Right? I want that person in my life. I'll, I'll get in line first. Please exhort me right now. Tell me where I'm drifting and help, help me get back in the, in, in the line, in the formation. For he that exhorteth under exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. God will give some people a gift of giving. And then he'll give them finances to do it with. Because he knows he can trust them with the finances. He can't trust everybody with a lot of money. I know of people. There was a guy in Texas that paid for a friend of mine to go to Haiti. And he bought and paid for the the Connex and put... they sent us a Ford pickup truck and all kinds of stuff, and this guy paid for it. And he, the only stipulation was he didn't want anybody to know who he was or where the money came from because it was God telling him to do it. God gives people the wherewithal to do those things, and then he puts it in their heart to do it because he knows they'll release that money. They aren't going to hang on to it because they know it's not theirs. It's just, he's just, they're stewards of what God gave them. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation, or that means not with not with hypocrisy or pretense, but with genuine sincerity. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, dis- distributing to the necessity of the saints, Given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Can we be persecuted from inside the church? I'm just asking a question. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep and be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things or ambitious or self-interest things. 
But condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Pretty powerful stuff. So, there was this guy. It's one of our ministers that posted this I'm about to read on a on one of many social media sites. I won't tell you which one. I don't know the guy's name. Doesn't matter. But I felt like this fit. And this was what really prompted me to go in this direction. The Lord didn't even give me this till yesterday. So I know it's him. <laughs> All day today I I've, I've been have one of those days where I've been a- not been able to do anything but work all day long. So I know this has to be God tonight. Okay? Here we go. Gathering is not assembling. Coming together is never enough. That's how he titled it. I have a large box leaning against the wall in, my, in our living room. Our fifth Over 50 plastic pieces congregating together in that box. And quite frankly, my five-year-old son cannot get an ounce of joy over that toy until someone is actually intentional enough to assemble what is already gathered. And I meant to bring one of my... I bought my wife a Lego... What is it? A A Lego orchid that you have to put together. It's beautiful on the front of the box, but it don't look like that inside the box. I wish I'd have brought that. I forgot that with everything else I forgot. (laughs) That's right. Gathering isn't enough. I won't stop anymore. I'll keep reading. There's this term that keeps insisting on popping up in the New Testament and demands to be noticed. It's the term one another. Serve one another. Provoke one another to love and good works. Encourage one another. Bear one another's burdens. Rejoice with one another. Honor one another. Love one another, care for one another, forgiving one another, strengthen one another, make your love increase and overflow toward one another, suffer with one another, offer hospitality toward one another. That's only 12 of the 59 one another's in Scripture. In that box of many pieces gathered together, there is a small plastic bag with screws, connectors, and pieces designed for actual assembling. Those screws will bring one piece and connect it to another. Each clip will each clip will fitly join pieces and parts into the reality of what is hoped for. I see each one another as a screw, a clip, and a connector. The pieces are all present, but the front of the box says, in capital letters, assembly required. You can have all the pieces gathered and still have chaos. The picture on the front of the box is possible because all the pieces are present, but gathering doesn't make the whole thing complete. It's the assembling that manifests the potential that firmly joins each piece together. This week I was sick and soup showed up at my house. That's assembling. I heard of someone yesterday that had sick children and wasn't able to work, and a brother handed him $150 to fill up Fill in the gap. That's assembling. This week, a group of sisters went to the hospital to visit another sister and sang and worshiped with her. Another helped to feed her. That's assembling. 
I saw a man hurt deeply by another brother this week, and he forgave the offense. That's assembly. Today, or excuse me, together is not one another. Together indicates proximity, but does not equal assembly. The marks of our natural man are self-preservation, self-defense, self-interest. It's easy to gather for self. In order to suffer with your brother, you have to stop serving yourself. To forgive, you have to die to self. To love someone, you have to deny yourself. To give someone your time, you have to stop seeking your own. It demands no self-sacrifice to just be in the box. If I walk away from the gathering and haven't actually assembled by the one another, by the one another's, the true church is no closer to manifesting the image of on the front of the box, which is the creator is what the creator had in mind to begin with. We are the ten to twenty people around. We are the ten to twenty people around you in the body that God has placed in your life. Now, who needs encouraged, lifted, cared for, honored, strengthened? Who is suffering and needs a shoulder? Who is battling financial that needs assistance? Who is physically struggling and may need a meal or an oil change? Who missed work and might need $50? Who is alone that may need a visit? Who has been under the load of pressure that may need a hand? It's not enough to gather. We must assemble. Hallelujah. Let's all stand tonight. I pray that this has ministered to somebody. It really spoke to me when I read this. It spoke to me again just now. You decide what you think God the message is trying to get across to everybody, but I'm telling you right now, He's trying to get a hold of our hearts and minds. He's trying to get us to listen to what He's telling us we need to do. If there's ever a time in this generation, this day we're living in, where we need to be more together than ever, it's right now. Because there are going to be spirits and things that are going to come and try to divide us. And if we're already halfway there, they're not going to have to work very hard to get us the rest of the way. We need one another, folks. So we're going to close in prayer. I don't want you to pray for yourself. I don't care who you pray for, but we're not going to pray for ourselves. Pray for somebody else. If you don't know who to pray for, pray outside of this room. Pray for somebody in this room. But let's pray. Father, we love you today, Lord Jesus. Lord, I lift up the body of Christ. I lift up the people of God right now. I lift up, oh God, every soul within the sound of my voice. Lord Jesus, they need you today. They need your love and your mercy. They need your grace, Father. They need your help. They need encouragement, Lord Jesus. They need finance. They need something, oh God, that you're going to speak to somebody to go to minister to them. We don't, we don't have to make it known, God. You will make it known to the individual that you need to do the ministering, Father, that we would also be able to hear that voice, oh God, of you instructing us and telling us, Lord Jesus, about a situation, a circumstance that we need to be used as your vessel and your tool to minister in that situation. Father, I thank you. For the souls of every individual in this place, Lord Jesus, every prayer that's being prayed right now that's hitting your throne room, Father, that you would answer it in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name.
Hallelujah. Can we just love the Lord for a minute? Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you. Clap your hands. Raise your hands. Do whatever you feel like you want to do. Just let's love the Lord right now. Father, we honor and praise and glorify and magnify your name. Lord, I thank you for speaking to me tonight. I thank you for bringing this word to me tonight. Lord, we need this word tonight. Lord, help us to have had ears to hear, Lord Jesus. Let us take this, O oh God, and not don't let the devil take it away from us the minute we walk out the door, Lord. Let us begin to dwell on this. Let us begin to chew on this, O oh God. Let us begin to study this out for ourselves. Father, let us help us to find ourselves, laying ourselves us down, O oh God. Let us lay aside what we want, O oh God, that we would desire to do what you would have us to do. Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.